Good morning, everyone. My name is Bryce. I'm one of the residents here. If you would go ahead and turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So then, remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, which is done in flesh by human hands. At that time you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility, in his flesh, he made no effect of the law, consisting the commands and expressed in regulations, so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross, by which he put the hostility to death. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father." So then, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Bryce. Good morning, church. It is good to see you this morning. Um, it has been our tradition for quite a while that we would spend uh, whatever the first Sunday is in the new year uh, to go over, uh, to kind of have one of those um, uh, addresses that I might make uh, that will describe like uh, where the churches come from and where the church is going. Let's take a look back at 2022 and let's take a look forward at 2023 and let's spend a little bit of time celebrating what has happened and how God has provided and how God has protected. And the more that I was praying through that kind of that typical format, I, I began to ask a, a number of questions and felt growing convictions that maybe one of the best things that we can do to start this year together as the people of God is to take a look not at how things have been and how things are going from a relatively limited perspective, i.e., do you guys remember 2022? Man, it just seems like yesterday, doesn't it? Just seems like yesterday. Um, and 2023, who knows? <laughs> uh, instead of doing something like that, which can be so um, typical, what does the scriptures teach in terms of the spiritual state of the church? What did the scriptures say? 
Now, here's where it gets interesting because the scriptures say a lot about it. And then we have to wrestle with, but is that true about me or is that true about us? And then you and I get to make one of those very important decisions is what the Bible says. Is what God's word says about you and me, about the world around us, do we believe it to be true? As one of the ministers, one of the leaders of Sunnybrook Christian Church, I'll just tell you, yes, that's exactly what we believe. And it is probably more important for us. I, I believe there will be a time where we'll celebrate the number of baptisms that we had last year, and it just seemed like there was a lot of people coming to faith. Let's praise the Lord. Amen? And we just had, I think, a great opportunity where a number of people came in one of our Christmas Eve services so that they could see the gospel being presented. Isn't that, wasn't that awesome? Wasn't that incredible? And oh, so grateful that, I don't, I'm not saying COVID is gone, but it's different. Can I say that? Am I allowed to say that at least, right? It's just different. And I'm just grateful um, that we're together and, and close and grateful for God's provision and protection but I just think that what we need is a steadying word from the Lord, which transcends any kind of temporary thought or feeling or assessment that you and I might have. And that is why I had Bryce read from Ephesians chapter 2, one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. For those of you that don't know me, I say that about almost every chapter in the Bible. But it's really true this time, okay? Can I just say that? It's really true this time. And, and one of the reasons why this chapter means so much to me is because it is just so clear. It is so clear. The other reason why I love this chapter so much is because, interestingly enough, it doesn't really give us a, therefore we need to go do. It first steadies us by saying, this is what God has done for us, and that matters, that matters. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I love the start of the year. I love to get ready. I love to go, wow, you know, that, that journal that I was going to start. Um, I just think it's good to start at the beginning of something. And what's better than January 1st, right? So I get excited. I get excited. I, I have a, a whole library full of journals that have never been used. But you know what? One is going to get started today. And I'm excited about that. I, I, I'm, I'm praying I can get through somewhere around the 14th or 15th of January this year. That would be awesome if I could do that. And, and truly, we, we do have like these really excitable moments. Let us go do. Let us go do. But Ephesians steadies us. For those of you that don't know this, what I love about the book of Ephesians is the Apostle Paul writes to a church that he knows so well probably has spent more time face-to-face, home-to-face, conversations with people. And when he writes them this letter, he goes three chapters, chapters one, chapters two, and chapters three. He goes three chapters, and he doesn't list one imperative, not one command. Now, they're coming, don't worry. Chapters four, five, and six, there's going to be a number of them. But before... He says anything about what we need to do. He says, I, I first need to tell you what God has done for you. I don't know a better year, a way to start a year. Before you take off out the gate, before you try to organize and figure out and plan, right? Your year, your life. Let us hear from the Lord. The first thing that this book, but particularly this chapter, really helps us see 
is that we are coming from somewhere and we are going somewhere and God is the one who is in charge of all of it. So we don't have to wonder, so where is this going? It is going under the Lord's direction. One of my favorite lines from one of my favorite Psalms I read this morning in our prayer time as a staff, and it, 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 kind of one of my favorite lines goes like this, that Yahweh is our God and he does whatever pleases him. I don't know about you, I take great pleasure in that. That Yahweh does whatever pleases him, the prerogative of God that humans in our arrogance find so offensive. And the Lord continues with his plan and with his purpose. And, and so this morning, kind of the backdrop of Ephesians is, is the Lord does whatever pleases him. And guess what pleases him? What pleases him is to look at the mess that you and I are without him and say, I love you. Like, I made you. And the brokenness that you are in right now and the way that you're trying to fix it on your own is not whatever I, not ultimately what I intended. It is not my plan for you. And I'm here to intervene. Merry Christmas. I'm here to interject. Merry Christmas. I'm here to provide my presence into your broken world. God with us, Emmanuel. And so the Apostle Paul begins with this rather bold statement. The first three verses of our text go like this. This is what we were like. And the Apostle Paul enters into this and he doesn't say, this is what you were like. This is what we were like. This is what everyone is like. This is what humanity is like without God. And you and I have to come to these rather difficult truths and then we get to decide whether or not we believe what the Bible says or whether or not we believe what psychology tells us or whether or not we believe what, like, what our friends tell us, whether we want to believe what our mama tells us. And, and hear me, her intentions were good, but you're not as good as you think she says you were or she thinks you were or are. The Bible offers something different. This is what the Bible says about who we were. Verse one, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, which means we were powerless we were helpless. We had no ability to, um, to discern what our problem was. We had no ability to then provide the remedy. We were literally in this dead, spiritually speaking, the Apostle Paul is describing, and helpless state. Then the Apostle says, in which you previously walked. So obviously there's a change for those who are followers of Jesus Christ. That they were walking according, verse 2, to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in those who are disobedient. We too previously lived among them, fulfilling, this is the way we lived our lives, fulfilling our fleshly desires, carrying out our inclinations of the flesh and our thoughts. We were, by our nature, left to ourselves, not only helpless, but we are standing as opposed to who God is and his purpose in the world. He says that we were nature, by our nature, children under wrath. That is why we care so much about those who don't know the truth about Jesus or have not accepted what we believe to be the truth about Jesus, a plan of salvation. That is why we care so much for our broken world and we will not abandon it. And we will be patient with it and we will bear with it and we will not cancel it even though it might cancel us. Why? Because we understand that they are helpless and that they are broken. 
We understand that they are still standing in the wake of God's judgment upon them, but he has a plan and a purpose for them, just like he has a plan and a purpose for us. And I think it's good. I think it is helpful for us to recognize not just our humble beginnings, but according to Scripture, our helpless ones. I just hate considering myself helpless. No, not me. I wasn't helpless. I'm, I'm, hear me, I'm not as capable as some of you, but I'm, I'm more capable than some of you too. Is that fair? Like, I mean, and by you, I don't mean you. I just mean the world. Like, I mean, like that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I'm not helpless. Like, you're telling me that I can do nothing? You're telling me that spiritually speaking that I can do nothing to save yourself? The answer is yes. And I think it is good for us. I think it is humbling for us. I think it orders us properly to continue to receive the word when we see God as doing whatever he pleases. And whatever he pleases is to look at people who are helpless and to move, to seek, and to find. And so the reality of the years past and the years to ahead of us are this, that God continues to be in the business of recognizing that his creation has rebelled against him. And, and when I say his creation, every one of them has a name and every one of them has a story and every one of them has an excuse because we are part of every one of them. And in the midst of that, God looks at our helpless and our broken state and says, but this is not the end. How many of you are grateful for the fact that in the midst of our brokenness that this is not the end? Amen? That God knows that. That the reality is, is that God sees the truth about us and does not then abandon us. Which I think is one of our greatest fears. That if my, my friends knew the truth about me, if my family knew the truth about me, if my brothers and sisters in Christ knew the truth about me, if those that, that I worked with, if they knew the truth about me, they would leave me. And by the way, that may actually be true. But it's not true about him. Isn't it kind of nice that in this opening section we actually get the truth about us and we're going to see the remaining truth about God and what I love about this section of Scripture, at no moment does it says, and so, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? No, 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 because the next section, some of the most important verses in all of Scripture, is the beginning of verse 4. Um, in your Bible, if, if there's a verse that needs to be underlined, maybe just even the first two words of verse 4. Okay, we, we know what we were, helpless, in the wake, facing, or in, in, the, in the path of God's judgment, but now we are different. And it's those first two words of verse four. But God. But God. God recognizing the truth moves. God recognizing the truth acts. And it wasn't like it stumbled upon him and surprised him. Someone said to me a number of years ago that one of her biggest struggles is that when she looks at her life, she feels as though she has been mostly a disappointment to God. Have you ever felt like that? Maybe looking back at 2022, 
I just feel like I've disappointed God. I had never really thought this through. I'm a, I'm a verbal processor. I apologize um, sometimes. But, but sometimes, by the goodness of God, I can say some pretty, pretty helpful things. And I don't even know what I'm saying, except they're coming out of my mouth. And I'm just like, oh, that's actually, that's actually good, right? I have a few of those moments. Not a lot, right? But I have, Andrea, I have a few of those moments. Um, I have to talk a lot to find a few of those moments. But, but I looked at this young lady that was really, really struggling. And I wanted to offer a word of hope. And I just said to her, I promise, God has never been disappointed in you. She was shocked. She thought I was just like, are you my mother trying to tell me God's never been? And I said, no, God's never been disappointed in you. Because he knew you would be the failure that you are. No, but can I just say, think about this for a moment. We so are, oh, I can't believe, I mean, how, how did you, did you, no, 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 we've already agreed, right, that we were lost and that we were helpless and that we were broken. The amazing character of God is not that he knows that you've never made a, no, he knows you've made a mistake. Like he knows, what, this is so critical for us to understand. The reason why God could never be disappointed, you know what disappointment is? Disappointment is, this is what I thought, and then this is what I found out. One of the most painful moments as a parent, and so it really must have hurt my parents when they found out the truth about me. When the school called, and said, your son just started his desk on fire, and by the way, it is fire prevention week, okay? When that happened, my parents learned something about me. Yes, my dad would say, why, why? <laughs> they learned something about me. And then a number of things I'm not even gonna share with you right now. I may never share with you. <laughs> do, you do you know the moment? This is what I thought. And this is what I found out. God's never had that with you. You can't be a disappointment to God. Not because you're not broken, not because you're not helpless, but because he is that knowledgeable. And this is why it is so good to rest in the greatness and the goodness of God. The fact that he knows and still loves. The fact that he knows and still came. It's the fact that he knows that he came. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, he made us alive. We were dead, but now we are alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our trespasses. For we have been saved by grace, by the goodness of God by the plan, by the, by the favor of God that he has upon us. And, and by the way, that salvation, that you have been saved by grace, I, I, I love to just remind people of this, that that doesn't say, and you are now allowed to go to heaven by grace. That's how a lot of us read that. You now, when you die, are going to go to heaven by grace. That's not what it says. It says that you have been saved. Which means what? You've been saved. You've been rescued. You literally have been rescued. I needed to be rescued? Oh yeah, were you not listening to the first part of the sermon? Yes! We needed to be rescued. From what? Okay, let's go back and take a look. What does verse three say? What do we need to be rescued from? God's wrath. 
See, this is why it's important that we speak the truth to our children and to our friends and to our neighbors, and and we do it with love. Like, we believe. Do you not recognize how broken we are as humanity? It's so easy for you and I to just say, over there or back then. But it takes it takes someone who is really willing to be honest to say, no, me too. Us too. So then we have been saved. We have been, we have been rescued from, and that idea of salvation that is described in the Bible literally means to be rescued from, to be restored, to be made whole. It sometimes applies to a woman who cannot find any doctor who can heal her. And Jesus came and he rescued her from her illness. He, he saved her. It's the same word. The word means to be made whole again. And so the grace of God and the goodness of God, some people would refer to it as the unmerited favor of God, meaning it resides in him and froze freely from him with no compulsion. This is who we are, church. This is who we are, those of us who are in Christ Jesus. We are alive and we have been made alive and we have been saved. And when we're honest, we have been saved by his grace, by his gift. And that not only is that salvation ongoing, it's not just future. It's our, our, our salvation is past, present, and future. I was saved. I am in the process of being healed and restored and redeemed. And, and one day, all of that is going to come to its greatest and most perfect fulfillment. And then grace finds itself in each of those moments. Grace that helped me hear the gospel. Grace that helped me respond to the gospel. Grace that keeps convicting me of God's love and of my sin and his unmerited favor that continually showers upon me day after day, month after month, season after season, year after year. 2022 and 2023. And that grace which will see me through to the end Like, are you living in the constant bombardment of God's grace upon you? So often when we speak about it, it's just this past thing that he did. Oh yeah, God's grace, like when Jesus on the cross. Yeah, there it is. That's the grace of God. Now hear me. That is the greatest manifestation. That is where we connect with it by faith. That that is the greatest picture of God's love for us. And it continually showers upon us. We are saved by grace. And he raised us up and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages that he would display the riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus church. We are in the world God's picture of this is who I am and this is how much I love you. No matter what people say, you know, the problem with the church, and, and listen, I think it's fair and even appropriate for us to be honest. But honestly, I, I think it is also good for us to recognize and respond and to make very, very clear as we repent, as we seek forgiveness for those things which are broken in us, that we might also demonstrate God's goodness to us so that when others see our good works, they give praise to our God and Father. 
So God has set us apart in Christ Jesus so that the world might know that he is, so the world might know his plan, so the world might know your salvation is a sign to the world that God has not given up. Your salvation is a sign to your family that God exists in the world and has not given up. This church exists to be a sign in Stillwater, Oklahoma, that God exists and that God is in the world and that God has not given up. And truthfully, just like every faith community, every faith community, all the way to the seven listed in Revelation, there's brokenness. There are failures that exist. But we respond as God followers do, with humility and gratitude. He says, for you've been saved by grace through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it is God's gift. It is not from any kind of works, so that none, there's no boasting in us, why? Any boasting that we would have would mirror the boasting of the Apostle Paul, which is this. If I boast in anything, I boast in what Christ has done for me, because then the glory goes to him. I don't boast in who I am and all that I have accomplished. You know what I boast in? I boast in the fact that here in the midst of my brokenness, the Lord did not abandon me. The Lord did not give up on me. That is what I boast in. I boast in that reality and I boast in that truth and I will boast in it more and more and more to the praise of God's glorious grace. That is why I can speak the truth about myself. That is why I can share my sins with those around me. That is when I can be honest and humble and sometimes laugh at myself. And you wanna know why? It's because I fully understand that I have been saved by grace through faith and that it is not of myself, it is a gift of God so that I can never boast in myself. I can only boast in what God has done for me and this signs up with what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 2 that at the end of all time that every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father and they do that when they see Christ living in me, Christ living in you. Listen, it's okay to take small steps. It's okay to, when you're learning to walk, to stumble. It's okay. And then every time we do, the world is able to see that what we are boasting in is what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will ultimately do. I think this is why we can offer... Um, A countercultural response to sin and brokenness, which is not denial. You know, truth is what you want it to be. Isn't it fascinating? I remember back in the 80s when truth was so relative and you have your truth and I have our truth. And I could never imagine that I would spend an entire year and every other word was the term misinformation. I think every other term I read last year was misinformation. And I so wish I could go back in time and go, hey, by the way, just for the, you know. When, when we don't want to deal with the truth, misinformation becomes a problem. I mean, the number one problem in the world is misinformation. I don't know if you've heard about misinformation. There's just a lot of misinformation. We've got to make sure that there's misinformation. Or there's no more misinformation. We need to get rid of the misinformation. You do not want to be misinformed. Huh. <laughs> I guess the truth matters. Brothers and sisters, do you have the truth? The truth about yourself? And the truth about God? And, and here's the beauty of it. There's no boasting in this. 
All the boasting is in him. All the boasting is in him. That, that is why I'm, I'm, I'm writing a lengthy paper for some schooling that I'm doing. I'm writing a lengthy paper on the forgiveness of God for us. And one of my favorite thoughts over the last few years has been the fact that I will spend eternity with Jesus and with you. And at that moment, I, I guess we'll know everything, or at least we'll know many things about one another, and it'll be okay. Why? Because the presence of God will make it known that we are loved. And, and it's so interesting. I know a lot of people say they'll, they're looking forward to heaven because then there'll be like this erasing. I've heard people talk about this, that there's going to be a erasing of all of the brokenness that exists. And I'm thinking, then how would we boast in God? No, how we boast in God is that he knew what he was rescuing when he rescued me. And he knew the same thing about you. Yes, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, he knows the truth about it, doesn't he? And he cares. Like right now, you're just, oh, she's perfect. She's perfect. And God knows. And this is what we boast about. And look at verse 10. This is who we are, for we are his workmanship, and we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. This chapter ends with a couple of so thens. Now again, it's not the so then, and the so then is so now let us go do. Listen, I'm absolutely fine with the fact that you and I will feel an imperative from this text. Right? Paul never says, you should be grateful. So be grateful. He doesn't say that. Here's what he says. You're a train wreck. And God loves you anyway. I love how one preacher, Fred Craddock, I love how one preacher says it. There's no imperative. You just feel it. You just feel it. Right? How many of you just feel like, like I should do something? In light of what God has done, I should do something. Right there in verse 10, we're created to do good works. But again, do you notice that's not a, so these are the good works you should go do? It's I just want you to be aware of the fact that what Christ has done for us has so altered who we are. It has altered our destiny. It has altered, listen, it has altered our nature. It has altered our nature. So then what do we do? And it's, what's interesting is it's, well, we should go feed the poor. Sure. That's one of the things. We should go share the truth about Jesus. There's, there's another one. I mean, we could just keep going and going and going, and it, se it seems like God's giving us 2023 to do it. But look at what he says, verse 11. So then, remember. You need to remember. What? That at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, which was done in the flesh by human hands. You need to remember, he says in verse 12, that at one time you were without Christ, excluded from citizenship with Israel. You were foreigners, I know how that feels, foreigners to the covenants of promise without hope and without God in the world. You need to remember that you are now in Christ Jesus. 
You who were once far away have been brought near. You need to remember that you were brought near by the blood of Christ. You need to remember that he is our peace. And he made all of the groups, he talks about both groups, he made these two groups, Jew and Gentile, one. He tore down the dividing wall of hostility. Remember what Christ has done for us. In his flesh, he made of no effect the law consisting of its commands expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two resulting in peace. You need to remember that Jesus did this so that he might reconcile everyone, meaning both Jew and Gentile, to God in one body through the cross in which he put hostility to death. You need to remember the cross and the death of Jesus Christ. You need to remember, Merry Christmas, that Jesus came and proclaimed good news of peace to those who are far away and to those who are near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit. Church, we need to remember what God has done and not only that we have peace with him, but Paul moves it one step forward. He says, and therefore we have peace with one another. So before we list all of our wonderful achievements and failures of 2022 and 2023, which I get that it's good to do that. It's, it's good to take moments and to look back and to look forward. But I think at first, it's good for us to get oriented. Who are we now? We are one people. We're one people. No, 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 I I get it, I get it. I've, I've, I've heard that there are those of you out there that have different political ideas than me. I've heard about you. Did you know that? I've heard about you. But God says that we're one. I've even heard that some of you have a different view of what biblical marriage is than what I have. And by the way, I'm not just talking at the deepest definition. I just mean about like how you treat your spouse. And and, and what I want to say is I, I, I get that there. I guess maybe there are even differing opinions that we can have in some of the most complicated and difficult areas. But if we orient ourselves and we remember that first and foremost, we are one. Then by the way, some of the most profound differences that continually divide us that continually create consternation between us. Paul is going to say in an upcoming chapter that has some imperatives, he's going to say it this way. Therefore, bear with one another. Put up with one another. Which which a lot of us hear that and go, you mean the people that we really like? We have to put up with them? I get it. No, 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 no. Like, bear with one another. Why? Because you're one. We're family. And you need to remember what Christ has done. Think about it. If Christ has made you one with God, and Christ has made me one with God, and therefore Christ has made you and I one together, then how can we not move forward? How can we not converse? How can we not even disagree? How can we not humble ourselves? How can we not forgive one another? How can we not love one another? We've got a whole series starting next week on that. How can we not do those things in light of what Jesus Christ has done? So then, remember. Remember. 
Like, this is who we are. So I, I know that there's some things you got to get to. You saw somebody post something somewhere. You got you to fix it. You got to correct it. You got to have a phone call. You got to sit down and have coffee with someone. Um, by the way, I, I don't... Very, those conversations are needed, but have you, ever, have, you ever, have you ever had a conversation with someone and it didn't totally fix it? Have you ever had one of those? I used to just, I, I still love to try to get on top of things. I really do. But the Lord has taught me in the last three years-ish, I don't know what happened, but in the last three years I've learned something. That what I thought I could fix in a conversation or a text or an email or a phone call or a coffee setting, that both my life and their life and the situations that had entangled us were far deeper, far more personal. It was going to take maybe even the rest of our lives to untangle the knots. Are you okay with that? I am if I remember this. Can't give up if I remember this. The last so then. Verse 19. So then, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints, and you are members of God's household. You are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ himself as the cornerstone. And in him, the whole building is being put together, and it grows into this holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. Isn't that incredible? What begins with like an absolute mess that Jesus Christ then puts together by his grace and kindness creates a, a peace that you and I have individually with God that then, set, then develops into a, a now closeness that you and I have with one another and what ultimately comes out of you are dead in your trespasses and sins, and by your nature, you are objects of God's wrath, ends with, you are being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. Like only God can do stuff like that. Brothers and sisters, the ongoing news from 2022 to 2023, and as the Lord tarries, is that we are the temple of God. Paul makes this very clear in the Corinthian letter. We are the temple of God, and therefore there should be no divisions among us. There should be no sexual immorality among us. We are the temple of God. This is this wonderful, helpful reminder that is perfectly true, that guides all of the minutia of every year and every plan, that we are the temple of God. And more recently, we've come to this understanding, that we understand that the temple of God, which was uh, kind of first pictured in the Old Testament, was ultimately so that all the nations might come to know who he is. The original temple that was built, so that all the nation, nations might come and know that he is God. And that Jesus Christ tears down the, the curtain in the Holy of Holies, Jesus Christ makes a way so that the Spirit can now dwell in us. That Jesus Christ, by His work, makes it known that we are His. 
so that all the world might know. And, and this is the beautiful reminder that we have, that we need to know, is that not only are we bearing with one another and being kind with one another, but you and I, when we are living in an understanding of who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for us by his love and for his glory, we are the church, the temple of God, holy, shining, that we are the temple of God, one with him and with one another. Now, now here, here's what I'm always tempted to do. Well, I don't know if I see it. Anybody else? I don't know if I see it. I know, I'm with you. You know, if it wasn't for the fact that God showed me, I wouldn't see it either. Truly, like if it wasn't for the fact, do, do you think the Ephesian church was like that different from us? Do you think when Paul wrote this, it was because, and I was thinking about you guys, and I couldn't find one problem that you had. So, so listen, hear me. Paul's not ignoring reality. He is describing a reality that we can only see with faith. He is describing a reality that the Holy Spirit has enacted and has done. What he is doing, he's not ignorant and he's not just trying to put his head in the sand. He's not just trying to, to kind of falsely build up our egos or our self-esteem. What he is saying is there is a reality that exists in the world that only exists in the spiritual sense. And you need to understand that Jesus Christ did not fail. But he accomplished what he meant to accomplish. Which was he made us collectively into the place where his Holy Spirit dwells. I'm committed to live 2023 in light of that truth. Are you? Acknowledging the truth about me, more so the truth about God. And we will do that every Sunday. Every Sunday we will do this. Recognizing that we are the temple of God and that we are able to take this meal, not because we are worthy. Nope, Ephesians 2 says we're not. But God has made us worthy through Jesus Christ by faith. Let us boast. That we say, listen, I get it. I understand. I know all the brokenness that exists in me individually and even us collectively. But can I give you another picture of who we are as the church? We are those in whom God dwells. If I believe anything, I have to believe that. Amen? Amen? that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Which, by the way, doesn't right all of our brokenness. It redeems it. It doesn't ignore all of our failures. It gives it a context and the power for us to move forward. And we see that in Jesus. Because he said to 12 broken men, this is my body which is given to you. I want you to take this and I want you to eat it. And he gave them this bread, pointing to a reality that they could not imagine was coming. We now know. Let us eat. In the cup, a reality they could not imagine. But we now know. For our redemption, let us drink.